Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. I want to talk today about the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing all over the world. And we thank you that your spirit is moving all over the world. Contrary to popular opinion, your spirit is moving all over the world. And Lord, we pray that you would move among us and through us today to our friends that are in the room and to all those watching by Bethel TV. Lord, we just bless this day. And Lord, we pray that your, that faith for you would grow by these words. Amen. I want to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Paul wrote this, I have received grace and an apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake. Let's read it one more time. We have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Everybody see obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake. I don't know when you, what you, uh, how you respond to verses like this, but when I think of obedience, when I think of obedience, I think obey the laws of the land, uh, obey the traffic laws. If I'm living in the Old Testament, I'm thinking obey the Ten Commandments. I, but here Paul said that his apostleship, the goal of his apostleship is that we would have, we'd be obedient to faith. I'd like to propose that we actually need to be obedient to faith, that we should doubt our fears and believe in our faith, believe in our hope. And, um, you know, we have this uh, coronavirus that seems to be creating an intense fear among the nations. Uh, I have a friend of mine from Singapore. She was writing me the other day just telling me how the whole country was shut down as people feared getting the virus. And I don't think that virus, I don't think the virus itself is the worst thing that's happening. I think there's a virus of fear that is spreading across the world. And I think the goal of that virus is to shut down the nations and destroy economies. And I really believe that there's something else behind this virus that's much more devious and demonic than, actual, than the actual physical virus. And I want to say, we have to obey our faith, and we must not become slaves to our fears. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, says this, For you have not received the Spirit... <laughs> you should try doing this four times in a row. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons, we cry, Abba, Father... How many of you know we're not afraid because we have a daddy? No, we're not afraid because we have a good daddy. He's a good, good father. And so it's important that we trust God in the midst of this spirit of fear that's really on the world right now. You know, if we, if we, we would never trust a person who lied to us as much as our fears. <laughs> you wouldn't trust people who lied to you as much as your fear lies to you. 
Fear is a fantastic storyteller and a better movie maker. I love this quote. It's not what happens in life that bothers me. It's the stories I make up about what I fear will happen to me that scares me. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, when I look back over all the worries of my life, I remember the story of an old man who said on his deathbed that he had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never really happened. You know, I think it's really important that we are wise, that we take precautions and don't turn into medieval fools who ignore science and medicine and ultimately participate in spreading the virus. Now, I, I think it's really important that we, you know, when we think about laying hands on the sick, it's like, oh, maybe we think uh, another way to do that. I think that our city is very concerned about how many internationals we have coming from all over the world and what countries are they coming from and our students going out on missions trips. And by the way, we've thought through that, like we're not sending any, any of our students this year to any countries that, where the virus has spread you know, at, at all. And we're just trying to be wise. I mean, you know, I think it's important that we aren't like, hey, we don't believe in germs. We have Jesus. <laughs> do, do, do you know what I'm saying? I think it's important that we, we take precautions that we think through how we're praying for one another. And you know, we're a house of miracles, so people come here for miracles, and we need to make sure that, that we take precautions and that we don't become a source of, uh, our city doesn't become a source of the virus. And that we are careful and that we, make, that we put our city to ease. Like, hey, those, Christ, those crazy Christian supernatural people, they like, they like don't believe in germs. I think it's important that we, that we prepare. I, I love this verse. Proverbs says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The horse is prepared for a day of battle. Like there is preparation, but the victory belongs to the Lord. I love what Solomon said. He said, a horse, oh, David said this, A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. This is a crazy <laughs> conflict the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. A horse is a false hope for victory. It cannot even bring victory by its great strength. I'm like, do I prepare the horse or not? <laughs> I love this verse because it's like the Lord's saying, prepare the horse. Okay, we're not using it. It's like, it's like remember when Jesus told the disciples, get swords? Okay, I want you to get swords. I'm going to be numbered among thieves. Sell your coats, sell your robes, and get swords. And they go, here's two swords. Jesus goes, that's enough. We don't know who got the second sword, but we know who got the first one. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> a few hours later, a hundred soldiers come, and they try to arrest Jesus, right? And Peter takes his sword out. Shoot! Cuts off a guy's ear. Now, how many know he's a fisherman? You can't tell me he wasn't trying for the head. Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? Grabs the guy's ear off the ground, puts it back on. Sir, how's that? Feeling okay? I think it'd be so much awesome. So much of a better story if he would have ripped his head right off. Sir, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, how's that? Move it around. How's that feeling? I don't think Peter denied Christ because he was afraid to die. I mean, he just challenged a hundred soldiers with a 
sword. Jesus said, get swords. Peter uses it. The Lord's all, what are you doing? You said, get swords. I never told you to use it. Why would you want me to get a sword if I wasn't supposed to use it? Because the victories in obedience. Prepare the horse for battle. Okay, I got the horse. Okay, awesome. We won't be using horses. So many. Prepare the horse. I didn't say we were taking them. I think oftentimes that the victory is in obedience. Oftentimes the Lord gives us something to do. Have you figured this out? And you do that and God goes, we'll be doing it this way. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Everybody say hope for. The conviction of things not yet seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. Faith, um, hope feels, faith sees, and love never fails. Hope feels, faith sees, and love never fails. Hope is the deep sense that something good is about to happen to me. Hope is that, I don't want to say feeling, because I'm, I'm not talking about an emotion, but hope is that thing that's deep inside of you. You wake up in the morning, you're like, something good's about to happen to me today. What is it? I don't know. If you know, that's not called hope, that's called faith, because faith sees, but hope just feels. Hope is what gets me off the couch to the front porch, so faith could be looking for what hope felt. How many know you're supposed to get your hopes up? You know, people say, don't get your hopes up. How many know that's anti-biblical? That's not extra biblical. It's anti-biblical. God says, if you hope in the Lord, you won't be disappointed. Get your hopes up. Well, I don't want to get my hopes up. You know, you never know what could happen if you get your hopes up. Yeah, you just never know if you create a seedbed for faith to rise. The opposite of hope is the foreboding spirit. That foreboding spirit says something bad is about to happen to me. If you're having a good day, there's a bad day coming. I remember when I came here, before Kathy and I actually came on staff, we were doing a class for Bill on Saturdays, and we would drive down from Weirville and do a class on the prophetic, you know, which is supposed to be you know, encouraging, exhorting, and comforting. And we were doing this, this class. We'd done a couple of classes, and I said, okay, I'm going to put me in the middle, and you're going to prophesy over me. And I'm going to tell you if you're good or not. <laughs> this particular friend of mine who's a friend now, but I didn't know her at the time, I get in the middle, and she goes like this to me. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, there's a foreboding spirit on you. I'm casting it out. <laughs> With her fingers, snapping her fingers over me. Well, first of all, it's supposed to be encouraging exhorting and comforting but I'm like what's a foreboding spirit I didn't know what it was foreboding like it's foreboding like I can't swim I don't go boating <laughs> she's like no foreboding means an impending sense of doom I said oh, okay so I you know she did that to me I didn't feel anything happen we were driving home we have an hour drive home about it's quiet we've been gone all day it's nighttime and we get about halfway home and I turned to Kathy and I said you know that foreboding thing that lady like snapped out of me? She's like, yeah. I said, I think it's gone. 
She said, what do you mean? I said, I never knew I had it. You know, I'm like a, I'm like a, a drunk who never knew was drunk until he saw him sober. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sober. Like, I got free from that spirit, but I never knew I had it because I always had it. You know what a familiar spirit is? It's an evil spirit that gets so attached to your personality, it becomes a part of who, the way you think. And, and actually, halfway home, I actually, under, I actually got a revelation of where it came to my life. My father, John, I was three. You know that story? How many of you know a three-year-old does not know what death means? So I, all those years, I thought my father abandoned me. So I used to go into my mother's room up until in my teens, two or three times a night to make sure my mother was there. I think that thing took advantage of the abandonment of my father. And I had this thing, and I, maybe some of you have experienced this. Like, you know, I'm a very optimistic person. I always have been. Like, it's just a part of the way I'm wired, even before I knew God. So I'm not walking around like, oh, something's about to go wrong. You know, I've started, we, Kathy and I started nine businesses. So we're not like, things are going to go wrong. But below the surface, there's always this nagging, I don't want to say it's a voice. It's a sense. Something's about to happen. Something bad's about to happen to you. You're about to lose someone special to you. Something, your kids, something's about to hurt, someone's about to hurt your kids. And it was always in there nagging at me. I never knew it until it left. I never knew other people didn't think like that until it left. And I think that there was a foreboding spirit on the world today. I think that there is a foreboding spirit right now pressing in to the planet. I think that people have this deep sense that something terrible is going to happen to them. And then, of course, Christians got, we got scriptures for it. The mark of the beast is coming. Watch your forehead. <laughs> One third of the earth is going to die by the plague. There's a plague right there. And every time we hear about a virus, we're like, there it is right there. The black plague. The beast is coming. Who's the beast this time? <laughs> and instead of feeding hope into the nations, we feel this fear, this foreboding evil spirit. And I believe that God has called us to be hope in the midst of this foreboding spirit. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that he's God, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many understand that working for a reward is not wrong, it's required? Let me try over here. How many understand that working for a reward is not wrong, it's required by faith? If I'm going to please God, I have to believe that he's God, and I have to believe that he rewards me when I diligently pursue him. Are you with me? People are like, I don't care if I get a reward, I'll take yours. <laughs> if you don't want it, I'll take it. There's a great story in Matthew chapter 17, if you want to turn there. Jesus has just taken three of his disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where Jesus was transfigured, then Moses and Elijah showed up. You remember this? Yes, Chris, we remember. I think it's really funny. 
digressing for a second. The disciples are all arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus doesn't, do, doesn't help them by taking the same three people to special events. <laughs> okay, you nine stay here. Peter, James, and John, come with me. He's going to raise the, uh, a, a dead girl. He's like, uh, you nine stay here. Peter, James, and John, come with me. I mean, you know, that doesn't really help the competition at all. So Jesus and the three musketeers, they're up on the mountain. And they're, you know, they're experiencing Jesus transfigured before him. They see Moses and Elijah. They hear the voice of God. I mean, they, they literally, you know, we say, oh, that conference was a mountaintop experience. Theirs was. And they come down. And while they're up there, the nine disciples who got left behind, they're reading that book. left behind. I mean, they're already feeling dished, right? They're like, who's the greatest? And Jesus is like, well, the three of them are better than you. And a guy brings his son who's demonized to him. And they try to cast the demon out. You know the story? And Jesus comes down and the man, the father, runs right over to him and says, you know, I brought my son to the nine disciples who got left behind. And they couldn't cast the demon out of my son. And Jesus turns to the boy and, you know, he doesn't, it's like, he doesn't even try. He's just like, get out of him now. And the demon immediately leaves, throws the boy down, remember this, and leaves. And then the disciple, the nine, are walking with Jesus like, why couldn't we do that? I'm sure the other three are like, that's why you didn't get to go to the mountain. And listen to Jesus, like this unmerciful Jesus. I know Jesus is merciful, but not in this verse. <laughs> Disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, <laughs> you would say this mountain, move from here, and it would move, and nothing would be impossible to you. So here's the disciples. They've already been dished. They read the Left Behind book. They try to cast out the demon. They can't cast out nine of them for a few hours. Try to cast out a demon. Jesus walks up, immediately casts the demon out. Why couldn't we cast it out? Because you had no little bit of faith. <laughs> Listen, if you had the faith of mustard seed, you would have cast it out. But your faith was smaller than that. <laughs> and the other three are probably like, that's why you couldn't go on the mountain with us. <laughs> but actually, the word littleness is actually the Greek word brief. He wasn't saying, your faith was even smaller than a mustard seed. He was saying to them, you didn't keep it in the fight. Why couldn't we cast the demon out? You didn't keep it in the fight. You didn't keep your faith in the fight. You withdrew before you got the victory. If you would keep your faith in the fight, you could move mountains, but you didn't keep it in the fight. In Luke 18, this is a great story, Jesus, in verse 1, now Jesus was telling them, the disciples, a parable that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Okay, why is he telling this story? So they would pray and what? Not lose heart. Losing heart means that you didn't get what you prayed for, right? Everybody agree? Like he's telling them this parable because he wants them to keep praying and not lose heart. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God, nor did he respect man? And there was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. And for a while, he was unwilling. 
But afterward, he said to him, to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. <laughs> and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and he will, do not, he will not delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now this is kind of funny to me, because Jesus told him the parable because they're praying a lot and they're not seeing results. And doesn't want to lose heart. So he goes, there was a judge in the town, who's a wicked judge, didn't, didn't fear God, didn't like people. But a widow said, came to him and said, hey, give me protection from my opponent. Give me protection. Hey, 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 give me. Are you wore out yet? That's why the judge gave her protection. And then the Lord says, will not the Lord? And then he says, yeah, God's like that too. If you just keep praying, God will give you what you want. And he will not, what does it say? He will not delay long over them. How many understand it takes God sometimes a long time to act suddenly? Because he just told them, if you pray day and night, how do you get God to act suddenly? You pray day and night because your prayers haven't been answered. You pray day and night. Why did you tell him the parable? Because he wanted them to pray when they haven't got answers to keep praying. In other words, this is a prayer where you didn't get it answered. So you keep praying. And God goes, and Jesus goes, and God won't delay if you keep praying after you didn't get an answer and you keep praying and you didn't get an answer and you keep praying and you didn't get an answer. Then suddenly God will answer. <laughs> and then he says to them, but will the Son of Man, when he returns, find faith on the earth? And faith is directly tied to what? Perseverance. Will you keep your faith in the fight is the point. Are you going to keep your faith in the fight? Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Sometimes we talk ourselves to death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know the problem with prophetic people? We're prophetic. You know prophecy is about what? It means foretelling, I'm telling you the future, and I'm foretelling, I'm causing the future. Remember Ezekiel's bones? Some of us are turning mighty armies into boneyards. I'm saying we see a coronavirus, the coronavirus, and we're like, and we're like, oh, there it is. I hope it doesn't get me. I hope it doesn't get my family. Oh, what are we going to do if it comes here? And what we're doing is, it's prophetic people. We are actually laying the groundwork by faith. How many know fear is faith in the wrong God? Fear is faith in the wrong God. What do you mean by that? You can't have fear without faith. Think about it. If a little boy comes up to me and says, I'm going to beat you up. I don't, I'm not afraid. You know why? I don't believe him. There's a couple of dudes in here. If they came up to me and said, I'm going to beat you up, I would be fearful. <laughs> Two or three women are in here. Probably <laughs> whip my butt too nowadays. You know why I would be afraid? Because I believe them. I'm simply saying you can't 
have fear without faith. Fear is misplaced faith. You know complaining is to the devil what thanksgiving is to God? I'm saying life and death are in the power of the tongue. When we hear a coronavirus, we go, not on our watch. Well, what if it comes in our city? Then we say, not on our watch. What if, it, what if it infects three people? Then we say, not on our watch. And we keep saying that till we drive it out of our city. You know that, good word. You know that, I'm preaching good now. And you're clapping good too. You know perseverance is a fruit of the Holy Spirit? That means the devil don't have it? Did you get what I just said? You know the devil doesn't have the fruits of the Holy Spirit? And perseverance is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? You know what that means? That means if you can't overpower him, you can just wear his butt out. I'm trying. Uh, I want to read you uh, a, a part of a blog I wrote a while back. In the world, seeing is believing. Yet in the kingdom, believing is seeing. Faith is not the absence of facts, it's the presence of conviction. There's actually no such thing as blind faith because faith sees what is not yet visible, hopes for what is not yet viable, and trusts long before someone is really reliable. Faith is a bridge between what is and what will be. It is the road to recovery and the pathway out of poverty. Faith is not mindless exercise in fertility, but it is the spirit-led adventure into heavenly habitations. The question isn't, do you have faith, but where is your faith? Where do you store it? Everyone has faith, but, we, but if we don't invest our faith in the infinite one, then we spend it on finite solutions or fear, or, or fear resolutions. Faith... Fear is faith in the wrong God. Fear is the expectation of a negative outcome, the dread of something going awry, the sense of being out of control. But faith in God produces the fruit of the Spirit, which includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. What do I do if I'm afraid? Lamentation says, I recall to my mind... Therefore, I have hope. This is that testimony culture. I recall other times when I was afraid. Therefore, I have hope. I love, uh, see if I can find this quote that I wrote down a while back. I love the fact that faith finds an opportunity in every problem. But fear finds a problem in every opportunity. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, when I'm afraid, I remember an old man who on his deathbed said, I had many problems in my life, most of which never really happened. How many of you know, it's not what happens in life that scares you. It's the stories you make up about what you fear will happen that really scare you. Romans 8 says, all things work together for good in our lives. All things work together for good in our lives. How many know 
all things work together for good for those who love God, called according to his purposes. How many know if it's not good? If all things work together for good in the end, if it's not good, it's not the end. If you're going through something really hard, it's not the last chapter in your book. How many know you were born for glory? If you're going through something really hard and it's, it, it's not, it, it isn't glorious, how many know that you got a little bit longer to wait? But this isn't the last chapter. Maybe your son's going through something. Your children are wayward. Your, your marriage is on the rocks. And you're like, oh, my, my, my life is so bad. You're not finished. You're simply working on your testimony. Because all things work together for good in the end. So if it's not good, come on. It's not the end. Isaiah 60 has kind of been the motto for our lives. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your rising. Look all around, they all come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in arms. Then your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of sea will be turned to you and the wealth of nations will come to you. How many know the wealth of nations isn't just money, it's the people of nations. And God says that when it's dark, it's time for us to shine. How many understand that when we see evil in the world, it's time for us to step up and shine. It's time for us to arise and shine. The word deep darkness is interesting. It's a Hebrew word that means a heavy cloud of gloom. But it comes from a root word that means to drip. How many know you listen to the news, it just drips? It's just dripping bad news. A little bit here, a little bit. How many, if it came as a fire hose, you'd never, you'd never even open, never even read that page in the newspaper. You'd never open that app. But it's just a little drip. Oh, someone else got sick over here, and it's coming over there. It's coming over there. It's just dripping darkness. It's dripping gloom. It's just dripping hopelessness into the hearts of people. And you know why we read media? Because we have an appetite for bad news. You're like, not me. Yeah, I mean, we, we blame media for bad news, but the truth is we're the ones who buy it. We're the ones who click on it. We're the ones who look at it. You, you know, just think about it. It's not news if someone writes a story about reading traffic and they go, and there was 100,000 cars passed down Highway 5 today and there were no accidents. You wouldn't even open that. We don't slow down for someone who's driving well. We're like, wow, I bet he got no tickets. But when there's an accident... We're like, we, we cause another one, trying to look at that. Like, we want to know that someone had a worse day than us. Oh, look at him. I feel better about myself. I'm saying bad news sells because people want to see people doing bad stuff. It makes us feel better about, well, I've not murdered anybody. And I'm saying, how about, how about we fast that junk? The word glory is interesting. It's the word kabod, and it means abundance, honor, glory, riches, splendor, and wealth. 
Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory, the kabod, has broke out on you. Behold, deep darkness, the dripping. Something bad's happening. This is evil, hopelessness. Oh, this is going to spread everywhere. Uh, this is the Black Plague. Ooh, it's in the Bible. Oh, there it is. Thousands, millions are going to die. But the glory is going to rise upon you. You're going to break out like the dawn, he's saying. And the word rise, I'm sorry, glory is splendor, wealth, honor. Rise means to come forth, to break out like the dawn. I think it's time for us to shine. Like, this is our moment. When we see bad stuff, when we see bad stuff happening, we're like, how many understand that we're bringing hope to the nations? Like, it's our job to stand as light when darkness comes. And to say, not on our shift. No, not here. No, that'll stop now. And we begin to speak to those mountains. We begin to shut off the hopelessness and re receive the word of the Lord and begin to use our authority, not for death, but for life. I want to call you to action. <laughs> here we go. I want to call you to a 40-day fast from fear. 40 days. And you can eat chocolate. Okay, this is a Chris Fowler. This is the fast I choose. You're fasting fear, but you're eating chocolate. Like, I would even suggest that every time you, you see something bad and you say, I'm not going to get afraid of that, you eat some more chocolate. This is like the promised land where there was like milk and honey. You're like, I'll take some more of that promised land. Now, what's going to happen is after 40 days, you're going to be a little fatter, but you're not going to have any fear. What do you think? How about you fast fear for 40 days? Number two, you speak to the mountains of despair and you drown them in the sea of faith. No, I'm saying for 40 days with me. Like you speak to the mountains of despair. So when you see despair, you're like, no, I'm not going to. You see the headline, it's like, ah, 40 more people died. You're like, not on my shift. And you just begin. I'm not saying you ignore the facts. How many of you know? How many know that faith doesn't ignore the facts? It just overrides it with the truth. And yes, we take precautions. Yes, all those things that we said earlier in the message. Yes, the horse is prepared for the day of battle. Yes, we don't pretend there's not germs. Yes, we, we be careful how we, how we pray for people. All that stuff. We, we make sure that we keep our city safe. We don't take risks with other people. Yes, we don't send our our students on missions trips where there's infected countries, so on and so forth. We do what we can. Horses prepare for the day of battle. But what I'm getting at is that the victory is ultimately in the Lord. And we began to take the mountains of despair and say, you will, not be, you will not be despairing on my shift. And we don't do things like, well, you know, there's judgment on the nations. There's a lot of sin in people's lives. Yeah, well, might look in the mirror. Third thing that you refuse to be entertained by hopelessness. I'm asking you, like, don't click on the obvious bad message. <laughs> See how quiet it got in here? You're like, I don't know if I can do that. I have to know. <laughs> Grab the chocolate, Mary. 
That's why the chocolate, you're gonna be, you're gonna see a bad headline, you're like, I am not gonna promote that by clicking on it. I'm gonna eat chocolate instead. So listen, I want you to go out and buy a bunch of chocolate. And every time you're like, I didn't read the article, give me some chocolate. And the goal of this fast is that you would gain pounds on this fast. As a matter of fact, in 40 days, if I see any skinny people, I'm like, you didn't do what we asked you to do. We're all gonna get fat together. If anybody's with me, say amen. If anybody's not, say amen. If anybody is with me, but you're sugar-free, say amen. Oh, that's just so wrong. That's just like that. That's just that antichrist spirit. Sorry, I was totally joking. I think sugar's a fourth food group. Probably wrong though. Okay, and here's the last one. Four action points. Number one, fast your fear. Number two, speak to the mountain of despair. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Number three, refuse to be entertained by hopelessness. You know, that would be, those would be really great habits for us to get into. I, I'm not saying you, me too. That'd be really great habits for us to just not even feed that hopeless thing that actually is the ecosystem that's the reason why we watch bad media all the time because they see us click on it. Yeah. I don't know what it is about Facebook. Anyone else on Facebook? You could say something nice on Facebook and people are like, I don't think that's true. Yeah. And you can write, God loves the world. Well, not all the time. Not everybody. God doesn't like murderers. I mean, it's just like, and then they'll, other people get on there, yes, he does, here's some verses. Here's one on the Revelation. <laughs> and then I just stand back and I'm like, crazy people want to argue over bad stuff. Okay, and the last one is vote. No, I mean vote. I mean, vote. I want, I, I like, I want you to actually be proactive with your power and vote. You're from another country, vote. Had someone yesterday, I wrote vote on my page, if you may, you may have seen it. It's the one with all the accidents. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wrote vote on my page, and several Christians got on there and said, I don't think that Christians should be involved in politics. Yeah, you, you're the problem. You're the, you're the issue. I mean, they're teaching our kids transgenderism, bisexuality, homosexuality in the curriculum of our school system required by law as Christians stand by and say, I don't think we should be involved in this. I don't think we should be, have a political spirit. I'm not talking political spirit. I'm talking about voting for righteousness. I'm talking about, I'm just talking about getting involved. Getting involved in your school system, getting involved. You know your kid can have, this is already passed, your kid can have an abortion as a 16-year-old without even asking you in California? Without, listen, not only not asking you, she can require that she, the 16-year-old, can require their parents don't know? Your kid can't get a tattoo without your permission. Can't take an aspirin in school without a call from you. But they can get an abortion without you even being involved. You know why? Because Christians stood by my I don't think we should be involved. What happened to separation of church and state? <laughs> well, you might want to search. 
You might want to separate the church from the state, but you don't want to separate the kingdom from the state. And by the way, you might look at our founding fathers. There was a few Bible verses in some of our stuff. I don't get that at all on a serious note. I know I've been teasing you some, but it's like, that doesn't make sense. And it's the reason in my mind why unrighteousness is actually ruling nearly every part of the world. Because Christians can't even figure out if they should vote, much less who to vote for, what to vote for. And I understand that Jesus is the ultimate answer, but I'd propose to you that he anointed David and Solomon and a whole bunch of other people. God was involved in government. Romans 13, God says that government officials are actually ministers of God. Romans 13, read it for yourself, verses 1 through 10, that he says that they are government officials are actually ministers of God. You're like, well, not if they're Republicans, <laughs> not if they're Democrats. And like, vote. Vote. Just get out and vote. Would you stand? I want to pray for y'all. You know, all wickedness needs to thrive is for righteous people to do nothing. I'm not talking about being angry with anybody. I'm not talking about being polarized. I'm not even talking about voting as I recommend. I'm just talking about voting. You know, I don't want a political spirit here. I want Democrats, Republicans, Independents to all be welcome here. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to actually engage culture and not run around being afraid of everything. And by the way, if you don't vote, don't complain. You don't have a right to complain if you refuse to do what you can do. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Here we go. <laughs> you might be in here today and you don't know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, then probably you do have a lot of fear in your life because it's really our daddy, God, our father, that's really keeping us from being afraid. We read it right there in Romans chapter 8. And it's really, the bottom line is, it's like the world is a very fearful place unless you have a daddy who's watching over you, protecting you. And if you don't have that this morning, would you just raise your hand and if you would like to receive the Lord this morning, maybe you're watching by Bethel TV, very simply, anybody in here today, you've come here and you don't know the Lord, or maybe you've fallen away and you've just come here and you're like, I, I'd like to get right with God, anybody at all? Okay, good. Put your hand on your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's in here. Lord, I pray that you would cause us to be courageous people who live in peace and who are not afraid. And Lord, I pray that every person in here and every person that watches by Bethel TV, however they watch this message, I pray they get their hopes up. Lord, I pray that they'd wake up in the morning and say, something good's about to happen to us. Something's good about to happen in our city. Something good is about to happen in our country. Lord, I pray that that foreboding spirit that is trying to seep into the minds and hearts of our countries, that that thing would be defeated 
and broken. Not only would the virus be defeated, but that spirit would be defeated and it would be broken. And Lord, we would be, we would be like We'd be like Jesus on the boat and saying, this storm goes no further. And Lord, I pray that everybody in here, because they're full of hope, would begin to be full of faith. And that faith would begin to move mountains of despair, begin to move mountains of unrighteousness, begin to move mountains of of sin and and despair and and all kinds of uh, crazy stuff that's happening in our country and our countries. Lord, I pray that faith we begin to move the mountains of evil. And Lord, what we find, that you would raise up hope, that dripping, evil, despair, foreboding spirit would be broken, and that Christians, that believers would break out like the dawn. That we would break out like the dawn. That good news would be the best news. That good news would be the best news. That people rising above the, the despair would be the news that's in the papers. And Lord, we bless this. And I prophesy that this, this virus will be broken. Both the coronavirus, that there will be a cure for it soon, and that the despair would be broken, that the countries would begin to open up, that the, that the stock markets would begin to return, the economies would be restored, and that this wouldn't be the black plague or the doom of the revelation prophecies, but there would literally be, literally there'd be a blessing released in the midst of all the despair. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.